Miss Yarrow, the bird. Greetings, heathens. Welcome to Hail Satan. This is the podcast exploring Satanism, culture, and life in general through the eyes of modern Satanists. My name is Joseph Rose. I'm a member of an amazing independent congregation called Satanic Delco, and we welcome members from everywhere in the world. If you want to learn a little bit more, visit satanicdelco.com. Today, we're going to listen to a portion of a recent roundtable discussion all about tenant number four. Before we get to that, let me acknowledge some lovely new people who have joined us recently on Patreon. We have Austin, Daniel, Ben, Marie, Nathan, Fancy Ice, Aaron, Karsten, Tater Tot, Marcus, Tokyo J, Johnny, Philip, Melinda, James, and Rico. Thank you guys. You know I love and appreciate the support, and you make all of this possible. So thank you. If you have a moment, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. You'll find links to join me on social media, a form to send an email, and a link to join up with us all on Patreon. We have a few different tiers to choose from with various benefits, so go and check those out. That is the most direct way you can support me and this show if you'd like to do that. Visit HailSatanPodcast.com. All right. Now let's get into this roundtable discussion. As usual, some members of Satanic Delco gathered on Zoom, this time to discuss the Satanic Temple's fourth tenet, which is, the freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. Additionally, there is an earlier episode of the podcast all about this tenet, I believe it's titled The Freedom to Offend, and I strongly suggest you give a listen to that episode as well. It includes some audio from the author of The Tenet, and I think it's required listening for anyone with an interest in this one. So let's do it. If anybody wants to kick it off, we can raise some hands. If you have any questions, comments, perspectives about this tenet, we will talk about them. Adam, you're up. Yeah. I actually believe that this tenet is more relevant today than ever before, because we do live in a pluralistic society. We do live in a society where LGBTQ people are having a larger voice. And the fact that they just exist is offensive to a large part of the society we live in. So offense is entirely subjective, right? It's something that the individual is going to experience. So for us, I think, and by the way, there's one of the tenets that drew me to modern Satanism because I'm, I'm a believer in free speech. I did a presentation on it in my undergraduate, but I just wanted to make the point that I think that it's more relevant today. It's more relevant to make sure that people understand that the burden of living in a free society in liberty is that you will be offended. Yes. Like every time I'm offended, it might sound crazy. Every time I'm offended, I appreciate that because it tells me that the society I live in is still free because we have those ideas we can share. So I just wanted to throw that up. Absolutely. 
And uh, in saying just today, it was just by coincidence. Some of you guys might notice. Sometimes I go around and fuck around on Reddit, and people yell at me all the time, and it's a lot of fun. Um, just today, I took a peek at Reddit, and someone had posted a topic about this tenant. It sounded like they were new, uh, had maybe just discovered TST, or were just getting into it. I think they specifically asked, does this protect hate speech? I hope not. And in my reply to them, I said, yeah, yeah, it does, which I know sounds crazy, right? That sounds like a weird thing to say or to want, and we can talk about it more. I'm sure we will. But there was a good bit of debate. People, there's always a, a bit of debate around this one and around that that specific idea, the idea of hate speech, which if you're familiar with the issue, uh, our government, you know, the Supreme Court has never defined any type of limitations or anything like that on hate speech. There are none. But we'll get into it some more. Thank you, yeah, Adam, so by the way. Who's next? Jesse, you're up. Adam Adam really took it away when he was talking about it and um, brought up a little bit of what I thought about it. Um, but I always like the quote Atticus Finch just saying that everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You know, you are to be offended by someone else's opinion. It is what it is. You know, it just means that someone's able to say what's on their mind. Yeah. And, but that respect is utterly carried over. You allow someone else to offend you as well. You know, you don't forsake someone else's trespasses. And that's kind of my own little touch on it. For sure. This one is very, the wording of it is really um, specifically, I don't know, targeting is not the word, but including the feelings of others. You know, it talks about the freedoms of others rather than just our ability to offend. Like we have the freedom to offend. And as Satanists, obviously we have to have that because being a Satanist is deeply offensive to a whole lot of people. And you don't have to do anything beyond be a Satanist for that to happen. So yeah, it's important for us to expect our offensiveness should be accepted, of course, it has to work both ways. Uh, we have to be willing to let people say the things that we don't want to hear because it works both ways, right? So thank you. Uh, who's up? Sasha. This one means a hell of a lot to me. And initially I was confused by it and then listened to one of the early episodes that just touched on the seven tenants. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that it's what I live my life by anyways. Being a trans woman, I offend oh, so many people. And then the fact that I go around in the shortest of skirts, <laughs> dyed hair, and tiny tops just offends even more people. And you're a Satanist on and top of it. what I live for. It's, it's literally what I live for because I walk around with my Satanic Delco sweatshirt on <laughs> that has the huge baphomet on the back. And in those outfits and live for those moments and the looks that I get, because I understand that there are times I've given those looks to other people just out of quick minor judgment. And I'm like, well, Hey, I have the right to offend. So do they it's, Oh, it's helped me grow so much as a person and understand that other people have that same right that I do as a trans person. And I'm more non-binary at that too. So I will have more masculine days and people get even more offended when a trans woman has a masculine day to them and doesn't look how they feel they should to pass. It's just helped me accept myself and be myself 
more and wholeheartedly around everyone. Yeah. Under the best circumstances, we could hope that thinking about this tenet and sort of living it and respecting what it's there for makes us more open. It's a real natural reaction to want to shut something down that you don't like or that is uncomfortable for you. And, and that's, what, that's a real normal, natural reaction that a lot of people have. I don't like this. Let's get rid of it. Shut it the fuck down. I don't like what those people on that side are saying. Let's get rid of them. And this is just a reminder that it has to work both ways. We have to, we have to have it. And I, maybe this is an obvious one, but I, through all the conversations that I see happen around this tenant, it gets a little lost that, like the way that we talk about the tenants working in unison, you know, particularly the first one, always referencing compassion and empathy. And so this tenant, of course, isn't suggesting that we should use hate speech or that we should offend anyone intentionally or anything like that. It's specifically referring to the idea that free expression, free speech has to be protected. Thank you, Sasha. Was that it for you? Yeah, that pretty much covers it. All right. Thank you. Kirsten, you have the next hand up. Yeah. Um, So I was actually going to touch on some of the things that you were just getting to with people. I think frequently... Um, when we talk about this tenant, everyone says they don't understand it because the first tenant specifically is talking about compassion and empathy, and and they see that as a direct conflict with this tenant. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree with that for all the reasons discussed before about just being Satanists or just being trans or LGBTQ or the wrong, you know, just the wrong person in whatever room is offensive to so many people. But the fourth tenant to me is talking about the freedoms of others. It's, it, it's literally in there. It says the freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend, to willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. It's not saying you as a Satanist should go out there trying to offend people. It's not saying um, that you are, are right to go spout hate speech. Um, although the fourth tenet does, um, does protect hate speech, but your first tenant, your belief in the first tenant should prevent you from wanting to go spout hate speech. Your belief in the first tenant can can cause you to want to go speak out against hate and to fight hate speech and, and hate in general out in the world. But the fourth tenant does, and I believe its purpose is to say that you cannot infringe on people's rights to offend um, it's not it's not about your right as a Satanist to go out and offend people necessarily, yeah. although that is a thing. It's about protecting other people's rights. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the reason why, I, I think this is the simplest way to, to get to the, the reason of it, I don't think people consider maybe the long game, because a lot of people don't necessarily agree with this one or or the idea that free speech should be so unrestricted. Um, especially when it comes to what we call hate speech, because why, why would we want that? You know, of, of course we don't actually want that. It's not that we want hate speech, but hate speech is subjective. And if we did it any other way, if we decided, okay, we do need limitations. This isn't right. People can't just go spout whatever crazy thing they want to say, hateful, you know, things against groups of people or anything like that. So, okay, we're going to restrict it. We're going to make certain, I don't know, phrases or words illegal. We're going to take away that freedom. 
So the very first thing you have to consider is who gets to decide what is restricted? Who gets to decide? Because I'm certain they would not reach down into a pool of Satanists to decide which things should be restricted. It's going to be the very people that are, let's say, removing abortion rights or anything like that. Just the idea that it's so subjective. You know, anything that you say is possibly offensive to someone else and vice versa. So personally, there's no one out there. There is no person or committee of people that I trust to get to define that in a way that would work for everybody, because of course it would never work for everybody. And um, marginalized people, I bet, would be some of the first people negatively impacted by such a thing. Just to kind of add on to what you're saying a little bit, um, this to me, this tenant also, and and the First Amendment, we, we use the term free speech a lot to refer to the First Amendment, um, but it's not just free speech. It's essentially freedom of thought, um, freedom of religion, no laws abridging free speech or press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Yeah, it's usually so, under the blanket of free expression. Right. And I think, I don't know, maybe that's a better term to use than, yeah. than free speech almost because people get really hung up on the speech thing. Um, yeah. And I think, and I'm not a historian, but if you go back in history, many historians will tell you that um, in moments of history or in parts of the world where you know, marginalized group of groups of people were silenced or attacked and, and, you know, leading to genocides and, and things like that. Freedom of expression, freedom of thought, freedom of speech is one of the first things that they lose. Mm. Um, you cannot exercise that thought. Essentially religion, any religion is basically just a thought. And what, what's a thought if you don't say it out loud? So yeah, the people um, in control can find an opportunity to take away the thing that the people not in control want to be doing. You guys can't, you can't say that thing. You can't write about that anymore. Imagine, you know, some weird dystopian society where you're not allowed to write bad things about Donald Trump, let's just say, or insert anybody at any time. That's not what we want. Thank you, Kirsten. Who's up? Ben, you're next. With the fourth tenant, um, there was actually an interesting experience that happened to me when I was reading the email about, like, you know, joining the Patreon group um, and joining the, the meeting on Zoom. So I was at a coffee shop and I was ordering. At the time, I had my satanic necklace on. And I remember this pastor walked in. And as I said, I've never been in this coffee shop. He's never seen me. When he walked in, it was like a wall of, like, differences. Mm. You know, he had, he was a pastor. I was a Satanist. I am learning. And I remember he came in and I remember he looked at me, but, and then he looked down at my necklace and he, he was like, you know, bless your heart child. And <laughs> just the weirdest feeling of um, like barriers, like this person has a belief and I was trying to not have any conflict because I felt a lot of negativity of one. He was looking at me and, but he left and we all kind of separated our, went our ways. That was kind of a experience that happened to me um, that kind of relating to, um, you know, respecting others for who they are, their beliefs. You know, he was, he was um, someone of the church, you know, he's never seen me before I saw him. I, you know, go our separate ways. That's what it's about respecting others. 
that's what I get out of the fourth. Yeah. That's, um, outside of like the way we normally discuss this one, but it makes sense. And really that's, I've been in that situation just where, you know, you're in a space where you're diametrically opposed to someone, you know, it, it's as clear as can be, but there's no need for that to be any type of conflict, of course. And that's true. And um, we had a discussion, maybe touching on something like that on the Facebook group today. Of course, we're going to be surrounded, especially as Satanists, you know, we're a minority group of people. We're going to be often surrounded by people with opposing views. And some of those people might be more casual about it, but some of them would really not like the idea of Satanism or Satanists. They might be offended by lots of that stuff, even to the less educated about Satanism or whatever, those people are going to immediately be a little turned off to the idea of Satan because, you know, Satan, who wants to be associated with that? You know, he's a terrible bad guy, right? But yeah, it should be a good reminder that we accept differing views and differing opinions and choices and affiliations and lifestyles. We, We just have to. And just like with free speech, we demand that same acceptance ourselves. Thank you. It was a, it was definitely experience, a spiritual experience. And I'm happy that thank you for letting me share that. You got it. Thanks, Ben. Adam, you're up. Yeah. So I wanted, but this is like, there's so many dimensions of this tenant I want to discuss. Um, But I wanted to just point out to Ben, Ben, you seem like you're an adult man to me. Did that pastor really call you child? Yes. And I was speechless. I was like, I was, I stuttered for a second. Cause yeah. So uh, the reason I bring this up is the, the next part of the tenet that I wanted to talk about and, and why I thought it was valuable to do a, a presentation um, in my undergraduate when I was studying to be a clinical mental health technician was that, you know, the onus of responsibility of what you receive, the messages you receive is on yourself. Right. So I have to be the one who's in charge of the way I respond to what I might find offensive. I happen to be a middle-aged white cis male who's heterosexual. So I basically get to walk around the society we live in almost every single day of my life and not be challenged on anything. Just like that guy got to walk up to you and call you child, even though you look to me to be a, an adult human being who has his own life experiences, has their own perspective, has their own belief system. And so what I believe um, is one of the most important aspects of this tenet is it gives the receiver of the offense the opportunity to work through how do I express what I believe? Because again, if we're going to follow the rest of the tenets, right, I'm going to address that pastor with compassion, but I would reflect to him I find it curious you refer to me as child. Um, I don't know you, and I am an adult person, and I'm not related to you. And I would love to have a conversation of why you think it's okay to use language that puts me on a social standing below yourself. Yeah. And with me being on the spectrum, and it it didn't feel right. Yeah, that's a wild way to approach somebody. I can't relate, so I I guess I'm not going to really be able to understand it without speaking to someone who would do that. But is that like religious 
language that he would use, or is that a, I don't know, a power thing? What the fuck is that? Adam, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so I actually, Joseph, I think that one of the mistakes we can make is us trying to understand where that comes from yeah. without opening up that dialogue with that person. Yeah. That yeah. person probably gets referred to often as father. You know, mm-hmm. that's probably language that he hears a lot. And I don't know, over the years, maybe you you hear enough of that and then you get into a position where you go calling a grown man child. Yeah. And of course, I think your your confidence level and being able to have that conversation with somebody, it, that's going to vary yeah. depending on the individual, right? But yeah. um, ultimately, what I think the biggest benefit of this tenant is, is that it it not only puts the receiver of the message in a place where they have to consider it, they have to think about what it means, and they may have to, and again, your, your choice may vary, take some form of action um, in that moment. Like if it were me, as someone who literally speaks for a living, who works with people who are severely um, challenged for a living, I'm used to having these difficult conversations. So I would, to me, that's like a golden moment where I would love to address that. Yeah. Uh, but other people would be different. Um, but yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Adam. And yeah, another aspect of it that I, I was just reminded of from Adam is the responsibility of the offense. Is the person speaking doing the offending or is the receiver of this message the one responsible for being offended? Um, and I don't know if there's any concrete answer to that. It probably varies situationally, and it probably has a lot to do with intent. You can intend to be offensive. You can cook up a series of words, and your intention all along is to offend somebody with them. And there's a time and place for that, I would say. I, I, I'm not even going to say that you shouldn't do that, because I think it's useful and it's valid sometimes, depending on the context. But often enough, being offended is sort of a choice that people make. Um, Certainly nowadays, I feel that there's a a good amount of being offended or outraged for the sport of it going around. Sasha, what's up? So I actually wanted to touch on the uh, receiving offense part of it. And that's been one of the biggest growths for me was understanding that I personally take this view of until I know the person was purposely coming at me with malice until I've had that conversation with them. And I know that they were doing it out of malice to offend me. I don't take offense to anything anymore. And it's been very helpful instead of blowing up at the situation, I've been able to have a conversation with people and I don't know if I've changed any views, but they've at least heard my perspective on it, understood, and then apologized for the situation. And just a quick little touch on the calling child by a pastor, I believe it was. Um, From my experience in the church that I went to, every pastor looked at everyone and called them child because they viewed themselves as a father figure in the church head. Right. Is it a, a child of God type of relationship or is it just a father child relationship between the pastor and them? At least in the Christian aspect, everyone is viewed as 
well, it, from the Seventh Day Adventist Christian aspect, which is a lot tighter views, but mm-hmm. everyone's viewed as a child of God. Right. So it may be that way as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, accepting offense is is a big one. Like yep. we were saying earlier, you know, it's it's easy. There, there's definitely a gut reaction to want to shut some shit down. But I think there's mm-hmm. there's some value to exposing yourself to uh, things that you might not like, or even I don't know. Not a lot of people may might even agree that there's value to it, but I think there is, and and it's valuable I- to just get used to the environment that offense is out there um, somewhere. As someone that's generally a minority, um, I definitely agree with that perspective of getting used to the fact that other people are going to take offense to your existence. So they may go out of their way, even if it's out of malice to try and offend you, but your reaction is all they're looking for. And when you don't give them the satisfaction of that reaction, then they feel nothing out of it and are less likely to continue to do it to other people. So you're just setting a higher standard and it's helping the situation for more than just you. Yeah, right on. Thank you, Sasha. The discussion that was happening in the Facebook group, um, the basis of the story more or less was one of our folks was out and about where they live and there was a car with some sort of big Jesus type message on it. And um, maybe due to a culmination of different circumstances and emotions, they were really upset by this message. They, they described anger and they were saying they really had to like hold themselves back from like just being angry or reacting outwardly in some kind of way. My first thought was that person, that Jesus fan that had this car with whatever the message on it was, they weren't trying to be offensive at all, probably. They weren't trying to offend anyone or be malicious in any way or do anything like that. Most likely, um, now I don't know, I'm speculating, but I bet they probably think they're just sharing the good word. You know, they're just out there saying whatever it is, Jesus loves you, whatever the whatever the message is. They think it's a nice message and they're doing a good thing by putting it out there for people to see and get saved and be with Jesus. But of course, some folks like some of us might naturally feel a little offended by it because we don't just see the words of come to Jesus, whatever the hell the the message said. We don't just see those words and think these good things in the back of our minds. We can't help, but I don't know, relate it to all the negative things that we know about Christianity, or perhaps some of us have had negative pasts with Christianity or with Christians in our lives. All of these possible things add up in our minds to make make us feel upset or offended or angry or whatever it might be in that case. Um, but it's, in, you know, again, just like us being a Satanist, we're not trying to be offensive just by being a Satanist. They're not trying to be offensive by spreading their Jesus message. And so it's important to maybe, you know, not have any sort of terrible outward reaction to that kind of thing. Jesse, you're up. I just kind of wanted to touch on a little bit of what you were talking about earlier. You know, we expect to be offended. Like like you had said, you know, when someone's driving past you with a, a Jesus loves you or something sign 
on their car. You know, this this really goes on uh, just looking at what it says of, you know, to unjustly encroach upon freedoms of another is to forego one's own. They're not exactly encroaching us. They are projecting their views in a manner that they think is correct. And it, it kind of touches on what Adam was talking about a little bit earlier and what Sasha was touching on. It's just the fact that we're all used to being able to say what we want. So when someone comes along with their own view or their own opinion, it, people can kind of jump the gun on it and say, well, that isn't right. Or that's not how it should be. And like you had said about like someone on Facebook, social media really gives a lot of negative fuel to a fire, even for something that should be a civil debate. And it just, there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of people just, Oh, that's, that's not something I believe in. Shut it down, cancel it, get it out of here. And, and that's that kind of that post you were talking about that someone was angry about it. Um, it. It really just goes to show that even if you don't agree with someone, you really need to, know that there's a time and a place for everything you know you have the right to offend someone but it doesn't mean you should offend them right then and there if you don't have to yeah if if you know that you don't need to sure yeah i was just thinking of a couple of things but a simple example i'm wearing it right now the satanic delco big inverted cross t-shirt right we say we don't want to offend anyone but they might be offended and that's okay And, you know, at some point I'd given thought to something like this shirt. I know that a big inverted cross is offensive to some people. And while I'm not looking for or expecting any type of reaction to necessarily come my way, on some level, we're putting it there for people to see. And we know that they're going to be offended and, you know, I never gave it that much conscious thought. I've never put on a, a shirt like this and thought, mm, I can't wait to go offend some people today. But if I'm being real honest with myself, if I did have a reaction from someone out there who was offended by it, I would get a kick out of it. I, I really would. I don't know. Maybe that's just the little devilish <laughs> Satanist in me, but I think I would get a kick out of it. And even without getting that reaction, you know, I get I get looks, you know. I've had people look at it clearly and be like, what the fuck? And that's enough, you know. It's just enough of a reminder. We're here. There's a different thing going on than you might be into. And that's okay. You're up, Justin. What's happening? Anybody that knows me knows that I don't really deal with being offended well. So hearing the story about, like, this preacher coming up to him and saying oh, God bless you, child, or whatever he said, I feel like I would have taken it much differently than he would. Like, I would have been ready to get into a brawl with this preacher. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, on the other hand, I I understand why, you know, it's important to, like, you know, freedom to offend, because I do things on a daily basis, and in my head, it's like, you know, people might not like this. Um Sometimes I don't try to offend other people. I just like to do what I like to do. Every now and then I might think, you know, it's kind of humorous to me. But um, Now, you probably like to look a certain way or do a certain thing or get involved in certain activities or scenes that you know are probably a little offensive to some people sometimes, right? 
Yeah, but I mean, what's fun? If if I think something's fun and I find enjoyment in it, I try not to let other people's opinions bother me. Right, and that's good. You you shouldn't be overly concerned with that, especially if you believe that what you're doing is fine. If it's not hurting anyone, you're not being malicious or you know doing anything negative, then that's fine. And fuck what people think about it. And I'm with you on that. But you have that side of it combined with the side that would be quite offended by that preacher. And yeah. that is, when, when you were talking recently, you had told a story about something going on, I think maybe on the Facebook group. Some of your reaction might be a little bit more of a product of being a little younger than a lot of us are. Because 18, 19-year-old me would definitely have different reactions to things than than current day me would. Probably a, a world of difference. And just age has a lot to do with that. Just, I don't know. <laughs> you hang around long enough and the fire starts to cool a little bit. And I, I think maybe over time you'll find that too. But that might be a good illustration, just thinking about the fact that you like to do things that you know are offensive to some. And knowing that about yourself if you think about it, might help you temper your reactions when you run into something that offends you. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I know that, uh, I, I really have no filters. So I know that most of the things I say are going to be offensive to others. Um, but when it comes to like, I mean, I can rant and rave about my passion for certain politics all day long. And I know, <laughs> I know that, uh, just by people's faces, it's kind of like, oh, well, here he goes again. <laughs> right. Um, but it's like, it doesn't matter to me because I'm hoping that, like, I'm not hoping for anything, really, because I know I can't change people's minds. But um, there are things that I just, like, feel so strongly about that I cannot sit by and let it happen. Well, just don't be such a hothead. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Just I'm try to relax a little. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you, Justin. Betty, you're up. And I have like four different starting points now. Uh oh. But I want to start off with the fact that I too have a bumper sticker. So I'm just going to put that out there. I have a bumper sticker. My bumper sticker says, See you in hell. <laughs> so, you know, like, I mean, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? So if you don't like bumper stickers that are Christian, get yourself a satanic one and stick it on the back of your car. Um, in my country, we have hate speech laws right? and hate speech laws in Canada are actually really helpful the way they have them structured because they protect minority groups of which I qualify, <laughs> which is really nice. So generally they will side with the minority group on state on uh, accusations of hate speech and things like that. So we have a little bit more leverage in that respect, but hate speech is essentially in Canada is if you communicate statements in a public space, which incite hatred against any identifiable group, where it is likely to breach the peace. Um, so, yeah, if you're inciting violence, that's your hate speech. Other than that, though, you can pretty much say anything you want. Right. Yes. Yeah, so in the United States, there are limitations. It is not completely unlimited free speech. 
and one of them is a direct incitement of violence. You could stand at a podium and say, I hate this group. I hate this group. I hate them. They're the worst. That's one thing, and that's okay. What you can't say is, there's Rob in the back of the room. Get him. You can't do that. Um, Yeah. It's that type of thing. So we always say free speech, and it is very free. It is very free. But there are limitations. And when you just described them, I think, you know, they may not be identical, but I think they're probably fairly similar to the type of limitations that we have in the United yeah, States. I, I think Canada also kind of supports the minority communities a little bit more, yeah. which is nice because I I can identify as a minority community in Canada. But I look at the tenant really differently because of this. I don't I don't get the same passion for freedom of speech that that American people have. So, I mean, yeah, we just say whatever we want. eh? (laughs) Yeah, I do find it to be, you know, it's a pretty America centric thing. It is. So, I mean, for me, I had to find something else that was worthwhile in it. And so for me, I look at it like it's about having productive conversation, which might be a bit of a jump. But I see it as it's it's more than Canada in Canada general. We simplify this tenant up to live and let live. And I hate that because I think it's so much more than that. But that's the easy way out. Um, but I think it's really to develop productive conversations with people who may not agree with you. And it's about biting your tongue and listening to the other person because you want the other person to listen to you and about reciprocal respect in a dialogue. Yeah. The live and let live is like you said, it's a very simplified version of it, but I mean, that's more or less the spirit of it. There's always the assumption that people are going to say things you don't like. And, and when, when people discuss this tenant a lot, like I said, it's one that gets probably the most attention of the seven tenants. Uh, So there's always a discussion about it going on somewhere. And we turn it into what what people should be saying, sort of a moral right and wrong, and, and Satanists shouldn't use this type of language, or these people shouldn't. And that's a valuable discussion. You know, that's, that's an angle that we can approach it with. It's safe to say that that isn't necessarily the core angle that it was written from. Uh, we know that because just we happen to have a bunch of information from the people who wrote it, but also generally we know that the Satanic Temple is coming from a place where they're very politically minded. The laws of the land are at the forefront of of what they're doing all the time. So just whatever you do, don't offend them. That's right. Um, yeah. So so in in the case you know in in the case of this tenant, the core of it is for sure the legal aspect of it and, and protecting freedom of expression and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and they've been involved in, you know, a few suits and things that involve that type of thing. Um, because like Kirsten pointed out earlier, it's not literally just free speech. It involves freedom of religion, freedom from religion and all of those type of things. Um, what else have you got, Betty? You had some more there. I'm good. All right. Thank you, Betty. Go ahead, Adam. I just want to say cheers to Betty. Um, I love hearing a perspective from a different country. 
because um, I'm not one of those people that thinks America is the best country in the world. <laughs> I think that we yeah. have a lot of work to do. Sure. Uh, and I just wanted to um, chime in and say, uh, I think it's also, Betty, what you were touching on is super important because when it comes to offense, and I'm going to say something that's kind of controversial. Uh-oh. Well, uh, probably not with this group. Um, the people that tend to see that seem to be the most offended are those in privilege, right? The privileged people tend to be the ones that have the most offense. Um, what I mean by that is they react in a way coupled with their privilege that uh, like the Ben's example, right? There's a pastor walks in, sees a Baphomet necklace he is in a place of privilege within his church, within his society. So when he sees that Baphomet necklace, he feels entirely confident to walk over to Ben, say, my child, he's praying for you, whatever, right? To immediately use language that puts Ben a step down from where he is. If any of you have ever read um, Pablo Freire's The Pedagogy of the Oppressed, there's this awesome quote in that book. Pablo Freire, was he the Brazilian guy? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, and his quote was, equality to the privileged will feel like oppression. So the removal of privilege to the privileged feels like oppression. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think it's an incredibly important tenet for that reason, because when offense is happening, I think it's important to remember that when someone tells you that you're living a wrong lifestyle, often that comes from a place of a confidence that comes from privilege. But that privilege, um, I think, is where the offense also comes from. You're working outside of these norms that we have all, discounting everyone that hasn't agreed to them, right? But this idea that as a privileged group, we have agreed to this. Uh, and so, uh, Betty, I just wanted to say thank you for that perspective, because when you say live and let live, I think what it's all about is the person who is in the place of disprivilege having, and again, it's not fair that that person has to express what it's like to receive that, that offense. Yeah. It's not fair, but I think it's, it's the responsibility to try to help educate the privileged. Yeah, that's right. And we don't often see, certainly here in America, I can't think of a case recently, uh, anytime in recent memory where this issue has come up in the news in relation to our government or like an actual challenge of, freedom of speech or freedom of expression generally. Um, there are isolated things. You know, there's some of the stuff that the Satanic Temple has touched on in litigation that touched on the general area, but not quite so literally freedom of speech. Um, the way it normally plays out, at least in, in my news feeds, you know, we all have our own customized algorithm that the companies show us based on whatever they think we're looking for. But what I see most often is stuff about um, like controversial pop culture figures. Nowadays, it's usually Dave Chappelle. Right now, Ricky Gervais, because they do the comedy specials. Things like that. Those are the most common. And then other than that, some of the stuff we see is just the social media companies things like Twitter and Facebook banned Donald Trump or, or any of the people, you know, other people that have been banned from Twitter or Facebook, they had subjectively broken some sort of rule or terms of service that, that these platforms put in place. And so they have the freedom to ban them. And 
of course, that's not what's covered under freedom of speech in the Bill of Rights. It, you know, that, that relates to government prohibition or editing of speech or whatever, censoring. But private companies are free to do it how they want to do it. And, and that's usually the level we see it play out in the news. You know, that's what I see all the time. Every, every time I look at my Facebook news, I see Dave Chappelle. Like, he doesn't even have to, like, make a new special or anything. He's just still in the news for upsetting people. And I just the other night watched Ricky Gervais's special, and he did a lot of talking about gay people, trans people, and uh, all kinds of stuff. And not only those groups, but also sort of situations generally that would offend people. And I thought he did it in a fairly smart way. He he was very clearly laying into that issue a lot, sort of poking fun at it. And I, I can appreciate that. I, I definitely relate to how some of what those people say sometimes can be personally offensive to people, for sure. You know, I've been personally offended by things that people say in the public. Of course, we all have feelings about different things and you get offended but it's interesting to watch the way it plays out um, in like a not government related way. You know, um, Chappelle says some wild shit in a special and then groups that he talks about gets mad. And then it all comes back on Netflix, the company, and they have to deal with it and make choices. And it's interesting to watch it all play out for sure. But yeah, thank you. Sophia, you're next. All right. So something I really wanted to touch on, um, I heard uh, Justin explaining something and you saying something about, you know, that fire slowly going down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, cause I'm 24 now, when I was like 19, um, I was just becoming an adult. I was no longer living with my mother. My mother had always taught me never offend someone by the way you dress, by the way you talk, by the way you act, never offend. And that's something I was always just so scared to do, like always offend somebody. Um, And it wasn't until like I became an adult, I was kind of like, okay, I can offend people, but to a point, not to a point where it hurts people, not to a point where um, it becomes almost into a verbal argument. But if someone sees me wearing a shirt that's ripped up in a certain way and that offends them, that is okay because they're allowed to be offended and I have the right to wear as I please. But I don't think it's appropriate if someone to like, if you're wearing a shirt, like let's say a slipknot shirt that's cut up and they come up to you and say, you know, I don't think that's appropriate. I think that leads you in the wrong direction. I don't think that's appropriate. Um, And I think the, best way to react to those situations is rather than to be angry and hostile is to be very calm and um in a respectful way say you know i respect your opinion but this is something that you know i like and this is something that um doesn't hurt anybody If if it hurts you then i feel bad for you but i don't think this is something that is going to hurt you in any way yeah Um, when you just started telling that story who, who did you say it was your mom that used to tell you that don't offend people? Yeah. When I just first started hearing you tell that story, just first of all, my mom was the opposite of that mom. <laughs> my mom was <laughs> like, "Fuck them, wear whatever you want." Blah blah blah. You know that was my kind of mom. Um, but when you, when I hear that, like a person, like a parent in some sort of position of control or influence, and they're passing on this message of subdue yourself 
don't do anything that could offend anyone, all of that type of stuff. That is really offensive to me. <laughs> like, I am bothered by that idea, just the idea of it, you know? Um, and of course, there's a time and a place for everything. There's certain outfits you wouldn't wear to certain things. And I, and of course, that's just whatever we want to make it. I think it didn't it. help that I was like maybe, fit, I think I was like 15 years old trying to wear like a very old vintage corset to church sure because i thought it was cute that might have not have been appropriate but at my age i was like oh this is so cute and chic i want to wear this but right. uh, continue sorry no that and and you didn't have any ill intentions right by wearing that you thought it looked cool mm-hmm. yeah but but in her Sounds opinion badass. she she's thinking like oh no she's gonna go to this church she's gonna wear this corset her breasts are a little too much Um, this is going to lead the young men into a wrong direction of, uh, lust and we don't want that. And, you know, and, 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 you know, that's her opinion. That's okay. But I think denying a a young teenager self-expression causes a lot of insecurity for them and causes a lot of, um, self-doubt in themselves. Absolutely. And there's a little bit, I'm sure there's a bit of religious shame thrown into the mix in that kind of thing. Because, you know, obviously you're not supposed to really identify with any type of sexuality, especially as a younger person uh, or especially yeah, you're as supposed a, to stay pure till you find the right man right. to marry. Yeah, I was going to say as an unmarried person. As pure as you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, man, yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely offended by all of that stuff. Like it, it just, <laughs> it bothers me. You know, I don't, I don't like that type of. Um, control on a personal level, especially toward a young person. I, I had it pretty good um, mm-hmm. in in that sense. You know, my mom was sort of an outlandish character and didn't really, you know, she encouraged me to be an outlandish character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a common story that you tell. There's a lot of, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, was that good for you, Sophia? Thank you for bearing with me and letting me um, express those things. No I sweat. will allow someone else to go next. You got it. Thank you, Sophia. Kirsten, mm-hmm. you're up again. Okay, I have two things to say. All right. Um, two separate points to make, I guess. The first point is earlier, uh, Thomas was talking about how he wishes this was the first tenant almost because it's so important to him. And I I was thinking earlier also about how there's two real groups of people who have opinions about this tenant. Uh, there's this group of people who are immediately put off by it or who are um they join they're like i like everything about the satanic temple and it's seven tenets except for this one i just don't Mm, get it yeah Uh, and then there's a whole other group of people that's like this is the reason i joined (laughs) um which i just i think is funny um but i was thinking about what thomas uh had said about how if it was the first tenant i I think it would really have changed the dynamic of all of the tenants so i think they put the first tenant being compassion and satanism or compassion and empathy (laughs) uh as the first tenant to lay the groundwork to say that that's our, our guiding principle for all these tenets. And if they had put this one first, it would be, Hey, just so you know, you have all these freedoms. To me, this is not about the freedom to offend. It, it does say you have all these freedoms and everybody else has all the freedoms too. It says everyone else has all the freedoms. Yeah. Um, and if we had put that one first, I bet you, I, I think we would have two entirely different groups of Satanists. I think that the, the I don't know if I can necessarily explain why, but I really think that there would be a totally different people um, that are more attracted to the idea of being offensive. Not even necessarily offensive, but the people that are like, I love this tenant and this is why I should join for all of the reasons that we've we've kind of covered yeah. earlier earlier tonight. Um 
they might still be here, but there might have been people who were immediately put off and, and not joined, you know, or not not supported it because the vibe of that yeah. that they get when they read this tenant, the vibe they get is we're going to be offensive. It is polarizing. Um, um, which I don't think is the the purpose of the tenant is not by by my own interpretation. The purpose of the tenant is not to say you're going to be offensive as a Satanist. No. Um, although that might be true. But that leads me to my next point is that this is the only tenant that's written about others. It's the only tenant that specifically says um, the freedoms of others shall not be infringed upon, basically. All of the other tenants are about you as a Satanist. You should be compassionate and have empathy. You should have your beliefs conform to your best scientific understanding of the world. And I've been thinking about this for for all of tonight, basically, is that I frequently see Satanists, specifically online, um, when they're trying to talk about other people's behavior that are not Satanists, just random people out in the world and how they are wrong or incorrect or uh, even offensive because they believe something different because they're Christians or because they, you know, uh, have different political ideologies or, or things like that uh, or any number of things that they uh, try to shut those people down by using the tenets to do it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that that's a fair application of the tenets because to me, the tenets are all about you yourself. So even though, um, like I was thinking about the scientific one, it says that your beliefs should conform to your own, uh, uh, your beliefs should conform to the best scientific understanding of the um, universe or, or whatever that tenet says. Of the world. Of yeah. the world. <laughs> um, it's It would be unfair um, to say that a Christian person is wrong for, for their beliefs being Christian, but you don't want their beliefs imposed on you and, and laws and things like that. And neither do we, we don't want our beliefs that we should be compassionate and empathetic shouldn't necessarily be forced in terms of speech and thought, at least in terms of the tenant. So I don't know if what I'm saying is making any sense at all. Yeah, well, also <laughs> the idea that you were mentioning, like they talk about other people outside of Satanism mm-hmm. And it's important to remember that the tenets only apply to us. Right. That's. I mean, that's the point. But I frequently see people trying to apply the tenets to um, non-Satanists. Yeah. Um, and I think that lacks a. Um, you can you can say those people are wrong. You could say I disagree with those people, or I think their beliefs are wrong, or, or from a scientific standpoint, I think their beliefs are wrong. But you you can't say that they need to abide by the tenets because yeah. they do not. They are not Satanists, and they don't. Follow our tenets. Yeah, that's important to remember that the tenets only apply to us, and not even just Satanists, but one sect of Satanists. You know, people, there's a whole lot of people that identify as Satanists out there who don't want anything to do with the seven tenets, you know, the Church of Satan, uh, other groups as well, who don't necessarily give a fuck about the seven tenets, and they identify as Satanists. So it's a small group of people who care about these seven tenets and their their suggestions they're not i always nitpick when i see people online they they use language like violate or like adhere to the tenets or you can't violate this tenet and you can't violate a tenet it's not a rule it's not a word of god that has come down you know it's these are these are suggestions these are guidelines for what the creators thought was a a, a, a nice set of moral guidelines, a moral compass, and that's what they are. So you're not necessarily ever in violation of one of them. You just, you know, we're doing our best. These are good ideas, and we want to try to apply them and use them for, you know, self-improvement, really. 
I don't know if you would agree with this, but I think uh, maybe a better way to say things is to say that your your behavior was contrary to a tenant. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't, sure. Yeah. And the other thing that I was thinking about, about how this, this tenant is almost what allows, um, you know, TST to say that we're fighting for pluralism v- yeah. rather than, you know, a completely non-theistic society. Um, yeah. Well, and the best, the best case scenario, the best realistic case scenario would be pluralism because it's not going to be, if there's going to be one religion, it ain't going to be this one. Right. So yeah, the best we could hope for is equal treatment. Is that it? Yeah. All right, guys, that's where I'll cut this one for now. As usual, what you heard in this episode is a very edited down portion of the full discussion that we all had that night. If you're interested in taking part in these discussions, it is open to all members of Satanic Delco. So if you have a moment, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. Stay safe out there and Hail Satan.